Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith. Joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, August 3rd, and we, John, are officially old. So, well, let's start it with you going to Lollapalooza. Yeah, like, I listen, I, I understand that I'm going to get judged on here for that, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I did go, I did go and I had a good time and I understand the potential consequences of my actions. Mainly I'm referring to the fact that I'm going to get roasted for being a 33 year old man going to a music festival. So that's, that's the one I'm really worried the most about. Um, but yeah, the other thing that makes me feel very old is that Jason Richardson's son, that's right, son, offspring has been offered a scholarship to play basketball at the at Michigan State University. And that is just, Oof. I think it's just too much. I don't like it. I love it. But I also am very upset. Um, Jason Richardson, you know, had a very long NBA career, too. I was just thinking about it. Did you know he scored more points than Bill Russell? No. Oh, Score wow. more points than Alonzo Mourning, Glenn Robinson. Like he scored, he was in the league for a long time. Yeah, he was awesome. I also think let's not that shouldn't be overlooked. There was a phase in his career where he was one of the two or three most exciting, like mm-hmm. highlight reel guys in the NBA, and he was very much in the Vince Carter era of dunkers, yeah. and uh, he was right up there with with. Uh, with events. And he went to state. He's great. So I got to think, if you are his son, I mean, if you are 50% of the player, you got a solid D1 player on your team, right? Like, and if he goes oh, yeah, Michigan State, we got problems. Well, I know Jason Richardson was one of like, this was, he was so old and this is how old we are, that he was kind of before like high school rankings were even like this big thing but even then i think he was a top 10 like five star caliber dude so yeah if you have a kid that is like you said well first of all if he's if he's half of the athlete he'll be one of the better athletes in college basketball and uh yeah if he's half the player he's an nba player so i mean that's that's not a bad guy to have and yes i would agree not only jason is jason richardson you know an alum 
he's always been one of like the more outspoken, like I love my Spartan dogs type of guys. Like he shows up at a bunch, a bunch of events, like people, he's, he's very synonymous with, uh, with the university. So I, yeah, to your point, if he's not green and white, then, then something's up. To, to be fair, Jace Richardson would be in the class of 2024. So we got a little bit of time. I don't but like that. I don't even like that number. It doesn't seem like a real number. That seems that's just the future. Uh huh. It is not a fan. Uh, MSU may be playing a non-con game uh, on Mars, but this year their non-con schedule is coming together nicely. And we said it on the last pod, but like I'm rubbing my temples looking at this, and yeah. I'm the anxiety. It's going to be tough, folks. But that's the way uh, Tom likes it. That you know, you got to break them down to build them up. Um, should I just walk through the teams? That well, he's certainly got the first part of that uh, thing, the first part of that equation down, no question. But yeah, start us, start us from the top. Little uh, casual competition against a school called Kansas. Yeah, K- Kansas at the Champions Classic. But you know, we knew that. You know, Kansas is um, you know a perennial a team we, we play every three years. Kansas will be. Um, you know, top five team this year. They uh, they have an interesting group on the team. They're they're usually uh, pushed by uh, freshmen. This year is different. They they actually have a handful of seniors that are going to contribute. Uh, I would say like three of their top five. Um, usually it's like younger guys, as I mentioned. But uh, it's just a it's a I don't know. It's just a different type of of KU team. So that's never good for a, uh, a team like Michigan State in the first game who's trying to figure out maybe who their starters are and and, and trying to gel. But um, great things have happened against Kansas in, in Champions Classic Pass, and that was the Denzel Valentine um, yep. a coming out party, if I remember correctly. So Yeah, that was a triple-double. Triple I, I, was, I was in attendance. That one was in Chicago. That was a good one. It was a good one is right. Um a couple uh, TBD um, dates games, but I imagine they're going to take place here uh, in this little window. Um, Toledo and Oakland. So uh, Oakland, obviously, they're still looking for that first dub. I uh, don't know if it's going to happen this year. We'll give a full non-con breakdown in our basketball preview. Uh, but then fa- fast forward to uh, the Gabbitt games, um, which is the Big Ten versus Big East. MSU has an awesome opportunity to go to Hinkle playing at Butler. I think we've all been looking forward to this one for a long time, hoping that it would happen. And finally it is, and not too long of a drive uh, for Spartan fans. So if, if there's ever a time to check out the cathedral of basketball, uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse, get down there if you can, the prices will probably be high, but you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a bucket list one for me personally. Indianapolis is a great place to uh, a place has treated Michigan State fans very well in the past. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea. It has. And then um, Michigan State travels under the sea to play <laughs> in Atlantis. And um, if MSU wants to keep pace in the trophy category with John Howard, they got to come back with a battle for Atlantis. Trophy. Yeah. Can't can't not have one. Uh, the MSU opens with. Uh, Loyola Chicago, which is not good for us. <laughs> I, I don't want to sound the alarm. You know, I don't, I'm a bit of a, an alarmist here and, and, um, 
I don't want to play them up too high, but Loyola's a really nice team. You remember they beat Illinois last year. They're going to lose their best player in Cameron Crutwig, but they returned, uh, I believe, four of the five seniors from that class, including uh, Lucas Williamson, a Chicago native, decided to return for their COVID year, you know, use that COVID year, and they're going to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seniors on this team. And rounded out with three juniors on this roster uh, that are going to contribute. It's um, it is a a well-oiled, well, a team that knows each other pretty well, with the exception of two transfers or three transfers, I believe, two from the Ivy League, one from Indiana, actually, um, who went to a better program by going from Indiana to Loyola, which is odd. And then, uh, you know, head coach Drew Valentine. Yeah. Against Tom Izzo, I wonder if uh, wonder if Tom and Drew will be able to bury the hatchet. I know there was some some bit of controversy at the end of his tenure. Um, yeah, I mean this is this is a horrible matchup for Michigan State in the first <laughs> game of this tournament. It's just awful because the new head coach, like you said, Drew Valentine, uh, yeah, might not have the the warmest feelings towards our our man Tom, and he's going to be motivated, and he's got a team loaded with upperclassmen. Like it's it's uh, it, it, the peripherals of this game are not incredible for MSU. So, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. And I think just as you look down the roster of this battle for Atlantis, which, like you said, we'll cover it more in depth later on. Yeah, it's stacked. I Dude. mean, UConn, who is back to being good, is in there. Auburn is in there and Auburn's churning out first round draft picks every year. Yep. Baylor, Arizona yep. State, Syracuse, VCU. Like that is uh, I don't, again, I don't want to sound the alarms here either, but like if MSU comes out of this 0 and 3 or 1 and 2, I don't think anybody should be shocked. Like this is a loaded field. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's I mean, not great. It's, it's tough. I will say that, um, you know, I'll go to bat for UConn and, and Auburn. You know, win or lose the, the Loyola game, that's going to be a tough draw no matter who you play. Syracuse stinks, which I would love to be able to. You know what? It I never would, matters. I know. It never matters. <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. But I would love. How good would you feel to beat UConn, who may have oh. taken something from me that I'll never get back, mm. which is the Elite Eight loss in 2014 that I honestly, there's a part of me that's missing that I'll, oh, never. I'll never, I'll never recover. There, yeah, small parts just get chipped away. Yep. And that was uh, absolutely a day when. When something major was chipped away, like part of the iceberg fell into the ocean that day. Then Syracuse game, obviously that one didn't hurt quite as bad, but didn't love it. Didn't walk away. Wasn't fun. (laughs) Didn't enjoy myself. That's what you're asking. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a tough one, you know, and then you leave Atlantis, come back, and then you'll play immediate or about a week later in the Big Ten ACC Challenge against Louisville at home. And like, I kind of like that. Um, I feel I'm trying to remember the last time MSU played Louisville in the non-con. Um, it was down of, in uh, they played in Louisville, didn't they? They did play in Louisville. It was a nice win. It actually mm-hmm. went a long way towards the end of the year. Uh, yes. They'll be decent. It should be you know around top 25 uh, at least at the beginning of the year. And then the big question mark is: Is MSU going to get to play Duke uh, in a return game for going to Cameron to? despite the Champions Classic kind of getting canceled. 
Uh, it looks like Coach K is doing exactly what you'd think Coach K would do and totally bail and make John Shire make it up on his time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, the only thing is I'm a little surprised Coach K isn't doing like the David Ortiz, Derek Jeter thing and going to as many big schools as he can to impart his wisdom on every student in the facility uh, before he hangs up the hair dye and calls it a career. Um, what game I, was it when they lost in the tournament and then he decided he needed to go in the visitor locker room? Yeah. Yeah. I guess definitely Lehigh maybe. Yeah. Awesome. Like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> what do you think? You, you the, 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 there is a very real age band, uh, both of players more prof- professionally and coaches at both the collegiate and professional level, then I'm just ready. I'm, I'm ready. Like, it's time for you to go. You do go. done. Yeah. Tom Brady, it's time. Just go golf or go, go stop eating. Keep not eating strawberries off of my television. Uh, it's like, I, done with Coach K. Done with Bill Belichick. Like, it's, it's time. We have too many good other people waiting to do stuff. Like, I'm done hearing from you. Dude, Coach K comes and knocks on your locker room door after you beat him in the tournament. And he's like, hey, you know, I just want to come in and, you know, impart some wisdom on your team. I would be like, dude, no losers in our locker room. You're yeah. <laughs> like, only winners in here, bud. You yeah, can hey, there's some old guy at the door. What do we want to <laughs> yeah. do about this? Someone order pizza? Like, yeah. get out of here, boomer. So um, this this uh, non-con is going to be a beast. Uh, but, you know, that, that's kind of what you sign up for at Michigan State. So it, it'll be fun. At the very least, a lot very of fun. True. Games. Um, yeah. Hey, I know the NBA draft came and went. Unfortunately, Aaron Henry did not get drafted, but landed a uh, you know fringe contender team. I say fringe because – I'm not quite sure what's going to happen in the offseason around the NBA, uh, depending on what Ben Simmons is able to be shopped for. Aaron Henry is going to at least go to play summer ball with the Philadelphia 76ers. How do you feel about that? I mean, he fits their archetype. Uh, no question. He is a tremendous defensive player. Uh, I'm going to take a half step back. I am personally not shocked that he didn't get drafted. And for all I know, I'm directly, directly uh, conflicting with things that I've said in previous podcasts. But I can say that, like, upon <laughs> further review, not shocked that he didn't go on. After he didn't get picked in the first round, I am not surprised whatsoever that teams did not take a flyer on him in the second round. I mean, he has, unfortunately, in the context of the NBA draft, a lot of things going against him can't really shoot didn't have great reports coming out of uh the locker room um he's older for an nba draft pick especially a second rounder um and i think a lot of teams are probably like listen we can we don't need to spend a pick we'd rather draft a guy and stash him overseas and you know call him over in a couple years and just kind of like not not really you know pump that till till next year and so i'm not surprised that he didn't get drafted but i also will say that i don't think that keeps him from succeeding in the nba there's way too many stories uh of guys that have gone to the g league and come up or been undrafted and made rosters the first year i mean it's it happens every single season across the board now and he's too good of a defensive player uh to to not make some level of impact but i also like 
there are very real flaws in his game. And I think we saw a lot of them last year. And I think maybe a little bit of our green tinted glasses, uh, you know, maybe over, you know, well, kids flaws. Austin, remember in the last pod, we were talking about thinking and remembering Antoine Simmons being faster than his 40 time. Yes. And maybe the reason was because of the other linebackers he was that were running along or near him. Yeah. I think there might have been a little of that with Aaron. Like you, some of the guys that were playing alongside him were not performing at a high, a, a high enough level or the level of you would expect on a Michigan State roster. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. And it kind of made yeah, him maybe better. Absolutely. So the good news is for Aaron, though, you know, if you look at the 76ers roster, and I, and I haven't looked at contracts, so I, I apologize, but you have a couple guys that, that you could look at and say, like, Aaron can compete with Gary Clark for a roster spot. Um, Danny Green is in year 11. Um, George Hill's in year, entering year 13. Danny Green entering year 12. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, Shake Milton has carved out a nice little spot for himself at the wing. But, you know, mm-hmm. if, if if they're looking to, to you know, get younger, um, like I mentioned, there are two guys, George Hill and Danny Green, at that wing position that, you know, you, you could see a cheaper option in, in a in minimal league salary in Aaron Henry. But as you mentioned, he's probably going to go to the G League. He will play uh, with the um, Delaware. They just changed their name from the 87ers, which sure. – to really got to shoehorn that numberers into every, into every name. But now they're the Delaware Bluecoats, and okay, that's kind of tight. And their um, their logo is actually sick. It's like Paul Revere on a on a on a horse, and it's pretty badass. So he's gonna at least look good. And you know, if I was ever gonna buy a G League jersey, it'd probably be the Delaware Bluecoat mm. jersey. So, okay, I like that. That's fine. I can I can get behind the Delaware Bluecoats. Also, basketball in Delaware. How about it? We're in Delaware. Means uh, <laughs> world reference for all. You I was know. gonna say no one is gonna understand. <laughs> <laughs> I said that recently to somebody who was like, I expected to get it, and as a contemporary age of mine, and it just went right over their head, and I'm like, oh man, that's not good. It's always tough when someone does a reference and then like you don't understand it, and how do you react to that? You're just like, I'm, you fake laugh. Like, yeah, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, sure, right. I've stopped yeah. I've stopped doing that in my life, though. I think I'm making it. Enough. Yeah, I'm just like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Can you explain that to me? Uh, speaking of needing things to explain to me as a quick aside, I hung out with my teenage nieces and nephews this weekend. and mm, Always a bad idea. Buddy, <laughs> Gen Z is ruthless. Like, oh my God! You can't even say anything without just like you forget that teenagers are just they swarm, man, like verbally swarm, and <laughs> there's very little you can say or do. And the worst part is, is if you're not Gen Z, then you're a boomer. Like, oh. and so I got called a boomer so many times and like at first i was like no big deal i'd say probably like the 20th time i was like okay stop like that kind of hurts <laughs> there <laughs> is an actual definition for this term guys my feelings are hurt you've succeeded <laughs> yeah no i get it i feel worse about myself now than i did when i got here that you've done your job 
seriously, man. And I was canceled a lot. Like, uh, they would be like, they would just yell canceled and say a lot of things. No. Like, yeah. And I would be like, and I'd be, I'd be like, wait, really? For saying, and it wouldn't even be for like saying um, non-PC things. Actually, I it hope would be. not. Actually, it would be because I would say something in my like youngest nephew would be like, that's ageist. Be like, that's, that's fat phobic or like just oh, like make no. things, they just like make things up to make you feel self-conscious about anything you could say. And they knew what they were doing. They, they broke me down and um, I'm still recovering. So I was going to say, it doesn't sound like you like parted on uh, great terms. Buddy, we took it out to the basketball court and um, lessons were learned. Okay. Oh, good. Out some lessons there, you know, and I, and then you leaned into it, and I was like, the boomer is dominating, you know, like yeah. <laughs> know that a boomer is beating them, and that I think hurt some feelings, which I felt good about at the end of it. Well, it feels like they wanted that. At a certain it's, point, you can't, you, you're, you're asking for it to, to come back to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was my aside. Um, I think that the lesson here is fear teenagers and. Um, Oh, I need I need no assistance with that. Yeah, trust me. After this past weekend, the the, the youths were out, and I was, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Just stay low over your eyes, folks. Gen Z's coming. Yeah. I'm gonna stay inside. Like, I think that's just my my general policy from here from here on out. I'm I I'll be inside. Be inside. You know, eating, drinking Lacroix and eating wheat thins. Okay, yep. just like getting. <laughs> Unless that's problematic, and then I don't. And then I, unless drinking Lacroix makes me old, and then I'm then I'm not gonna drink Lacroix. Strictly Pepsi Max, <laughs> Coke, New Coke. That's it for me. Should we take a quick break? We got a lot of football to cover today. Oy. Okay. Yes. Ready. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we are back. John, if you can believe it, I hate to be the one to break this news to everybody, but football games will be played this month. We've officially crossed the threshold. We are in August. The time is here. I hope you've all enjoyed your time off. I have, and now the stress uh, begins. And um, I think it began in earnest this past uh, week when there were uh, Big Ten media days. Big we heard ten. some weird things from yeah we- weird things from some coaches. Not surprisingly, John Harbaugh maybe crossed a line or two, or Jim Harbaugh crossed a line or two and said yeah. some weird stuff. Of course. Um, not surprising. Also, I I really I don't want to say pathetic, but it's sad. Like to hear him come out and say, I would literally do anything to beat Ohio State is something you know he actually feels in his heart of hearts. But that last bit of integrity is just really, it's really, really sad to see it sitting there just out in the open. Can you imagine 
can you imagine saying you would literally do anything and it being true and being unable oh, to do it? No irony. There was no irony in that moment. Jim I Jim Harbaugh doesn't do anything ironically, but let alone speak about his desire to be to school. He has failed to be ironically. I want you to think about anything in your life, any, <laughs> anything that you care, you would give anything to do. Like you would, you would change, you would turn the world upside down to do, and you can't do it. And that is so embarrassing. Like, like you gotta, you gotta move on. You gotta try, like, I just don't think this is working out for you, Jim. Like that is, that is a desperate thing. It's, de- it is because sheer you know what? You desperation. Know what? Because Ryan Day and prior to that Urban Meyer, I'm telling you right now, they would not do anything in the world to beat Michigan. They just did. There's a they don't need to. That's what I mean. There's a difference. They would, didn't have to do everything in the world. They, w- they just were better. And that's got to be so disheartening. <laughs> well, and now it's just a joke, too, because now that the NIL is around, they've literally got the best quarterback recruit in yeah. some time skipping his senior year to come to come play for them and Quinn Ewers. And that's just like, what a middle finger to the rest of us. It's like, oh, you you thought it was going to be fun to try? Well, it's not. So just enjoy everything else. Well, <laughs> so we're going to pace ourselves at Michigan State. It's not going to we're not going to be competing with Ohio State overnight. OK, nope. it's going to be a, a, a step by step process. And I think what one takeaway I had is from Mel Tucker that I kind of appreciated is he said um, his, the vision is to be the best you know, not just in the Big Ten, but across the nation. It takes what it takes, and that's what we're going to get to. And I kind of appreciate the mindset of having a long-term vision, and and I think it would just be a little naive and a lot naive and really unrealistic to come out and be like, this year, you know, we're going to come out, we're we're competing for a playoff. And you can think that and make your goals that internally, but externally, don't set yourself up to look stupid. No. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But at the same time, he did say, people tell me, coach, for you, this is really like year one. And he said, no, it's not like year one. This is year two. We got to get this thing moving. And I can really appreciate not leaning into, you know, the cushion everyone's provided him and saying, no, man, like the job's the job, you know, and and, and things got to get going here. Two and five last year, that's not okay. You know, I've done a lot. There's, they've done a lot this offseason to try um, to improve the personnel and, you know, less than a week after he said, we got to get this thing moving, you saw a little bit more positive momentum because the two highest rated recruits in the class, um, I think, kind of surprisingly signed that week. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, just to quickly touch on the, what you said about Mel, I think it's that it, he's doing a good job of of um, setting achievable expectations for himself and the program where I think what everybody wants to hear is is not, oh, this is going to take a long time. Like, nobody wants to hear that. Um, and in, in, in saying, you know, no, we got to get this moving, he's appealing to his players. He's motivating his players. He's getting the fan base excited. He's literally recruiting to everybody that's going to be available next year, not only uh, high school kids, especially high school kids, but also some guys that surely will enter, enter the transfer portal. He's just doing a great job of setting the tone for his his program uh, with that level of leadership. And I think that says, says a lot, but again, it does put expectations on. I think the the smart move here is he's like, it can't get worse than last year. I think he just is like reading the room. He's like, it's not going to be that bad again. 
he can now sell, hey, if we won five games, that's improvement. Like it's just a smart way for him to politic this whole thing. And I think clearly the message is is resonating to your point to uh, extremely high priority recruits for MSU. You could argue maybe they're their two highest priority at this point. Uh, Antonio Gates Jr., the wide receiver, and Alex Van Sumeren, the defensive lineman, uh, both ended up uh, committing. And it's again, it's not just that they're high priority. Again, obviously Antonio Gates is a semi-legacy player uh, after his father um, actually played at MSU, uh, played basketball there for a year, I believe, or came to MSU to play basketball, whatever it was. Um, It's just that these guys are unanimous four stars across the board, across every service you'll find. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are both top five in the state of Michigan, if not higher. Uh, And on top of all of that, this is once again becoming a trend where you're seeing kids with huge offer lists end up picking Michigan State, and it's not like they're uncommittable offer lists. Like these guys have legitimate looks from from all over the country. Antonio Gates, Florida, Penn State, Tennessee, Kentucky—not small schools, massive universities that have had a ton of success for the most part recently. Um, huge, huge places he could go. Decided to go to MSU. The really impressive one, though, is Alex Van Sumeren. Obviously, well, a couple things here. His brother, previous Michigan player, mm-hmm. transfers to Michigan State. You can see maybe why they tried to do that at MSU. Not only because they obviously think Ben's a good player, but because, you know, his brother is a very, <laughs> very big prospect who was at one time, if I recall correctly, was committed to Michigan, mm-hmm. decommitted from Michigan, has offers from committable offers, I remind you, Clemson, Alabama, Michigan, Penn State. Texas A&M, Auburn, Oregon, and Northwestern. That is a murderer's row of schools. Some of the very best you can find. And more uh, than that, those are just the ones that, you know, that, that were kind of the top of the list. He got offers from. Right. <laughs> well, when you have offers from those schools, yeah, you have right. offers from just about every school. So, I mean, this kid is, is they both match the measurements that we've talked so much about with Mel Tucker they're big athletes. I think Antonio, I think they both have a chance to play uh, pretty quickly. And um, that momentum in the state of Michigan is a massive, massive, massive deal. And you can see the tide sort of, you know, starting to turn a little bit. There's some other guys out there um, that obviously, listen, Michigan's always going to have full. It's always Michigan. They're always going to do well in the state. But to see Michigan State start punching back up into that weight class again after a few years where they really were were down and out, Um is a really big deal. So I think that's, you know, Dylan Tatum is another one to keep an eye on. Jaden Mangum is another one to keep an eye on. Two big names remaining on the board uh, in the state of Michigan in that class. But um, yeah, it, it's hard not to be excited about the direction of things under under Mel right now. He's got it. You know, I think that was one of the biggest, I think, holes. Um, I guess people were a little nervous that, you know, he had forgotten or maybe didn't couldn't land kids in state. You know, he had mm-hmm. a had wide reach outside the state. I think this kind of puts that to bed. And and, and yes. you had already and, and you had kind of mentioned already um, the other offers, the big ones on the table. Those guys are from Michigan as well. And then the uh, running back from West Bloomfield. Um, I'm yep. forgetting. I believe that. that's Dylan Tatum. Uh, so, okay. I thought there was a – I'm blanking on the other top ten kid then. Uh, but but I, the fact that they're – Michigan State is in play for them and, and – some people feel like uh, even have a chance with Mangum, who <laughs> was a pretty solid West Virginia commit at one point, is is 
pretty astonishing, especially when you consider that his older brother committed to Colorado and Mel Tucker then left Colorado. So that would be astonishing if he were able to pull off Mangum in as far as I Yeah, I mean that's that that would be a very big one. Um yeah, at this point, I wouldn't really be surprised by a whole lot. He's shown he's got the chops to get out there on the recruiting trail and 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 punch up with just about anybody. I mean, Vance Amirin is is a, in my opinion, a real uh, that's a real tone setter in terms of the ca- caliber of kid that you're getting because you're unanimous top, you know, what 150, 200 um, offers from everywhere at a premium position. You know, there's there's a lot to be said for for beating out some of these big schools uh, for a kid like that. Michael Williams, the linebacker from West Bloomfield, is mm. who is still on the board and a top Ted Kinn from Michigan. I'm unsure if, uh, you know, MSU is in play for him or not, but um, I, I just remember West Bloomfield having a couple of kids. So anyway, the, the, like as I mentioned, uh, MSU making a big moves in state. Um, and I think the good news is, is probably uh, Wilshire wasn't a part of these, you know, it's probably mm-hmm. too are gone. So, um, you know, you, you'd like to hope that that hire hasn't even had an effect quite yet. That would be kind of a glass half full way of looking at future recruits out of the Detroit area and Michigan in general. Absolutely. And, and to your point with West Bloomfield, I, I, again, I think the, the, what we're seeing here is, is the smoke maybe before the fire. If either of those West Bloomfield kids end up choosing MSU, it's full on fire because that's like then it's then it's a a wildfire because mm-hmm. Michigan just hired the old West Bloomfield head coach exactly if he's not able to get those kids to come to Michigan then that's uh that's red alert like big time big time red alert for for Michigan and a huge 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 uh flag in the ground for MSU so that's definitely something to keep an eye on so you mentioned uh, Antonio Gates might be able to see the field. He's kind of an athlete right now. People wondering if he you know, is a wide receiver. Uh, could he play tight end if he were to gain a, enough weight? You know, he like his dad, you know, he's not quite tall enough. Just kind of a, I don't want to say a tweener, just kind of TBD. But we do know he would probably be catching balls. So we're going to focus on wide receivers for a position overview today. And then if we have time, a little bit of running back action we think we feel good about the wide receivers, right, Austin? This the, the team. I, I think you could make a real argument that it's one of one of, if not the strongest groups um, on the team. And and I it'd say that for a couple of reasons. The first is they are it's the group is bringing back three players that we saw make very real impacts on the field last year in Jalen Naylor, Ricky White, and Jaden Reed. Right off the bat, give me nothing else. Those three are a great place to start. Um, you're also bringing back some really you know, depth players who have made plays throughout their career. CJ Hayes, Trey Mosley, Cade McDonald, guys that we've seen produce. But I think the really exciting part is the some of the the new faces that are going to be that have come in either as true freshmen or as um, guys in the transfer portal. Um, but to, to take a step back, the the returning production of Naylor, White and Reed uh, is really it's hard to overstate just how important that is, especially for either a brand new quarterback or a guy in his first true year starting in either Anthony Russo or Peyton Thorne. Um, you know, Jalen Naylor has been 
when healthy, a massive performer in certain games. He's one of the better. I think it's not a stretch to say he's one of the better pure speed threats in the Big Ten, uh, if not maybe even a little beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky White, we obviously saw him make massive plays against U of M. We know that at least the talent is there. His production was a, you know, a little spotty after that. I think he was a little nicked up. Um, and apparently there's been some off-the-field stuff to, to sort out there. So a little TBD on that. Yeah, we do. Um, I, I want to add to that. I'm not sure if we know. I haven't really heard what that means. I can't if they haven't looked very hard. I just remember wondering where did he go, and um, you know if we learn more information, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, you know, I think to your point about Ricky is like the explosibility is there. You know, it, it's so you you have something that's for sure. And um, you know, we haven't seen from him what we have with Jalen Naylor though is. Uh, I think there was some stuff posted about his, you know, the, the, the improvements in the weight room um, mm-hmm. need on top of that. If, you know, people kind of saw, okay, Jalen is trying to get an NFL, become NFL ready from, from a, um, you know, a stature standpoint, you know, and, and the, the consequence of that is you lose speed, right? You get mm-hmm. put on muscle. Well, apparently Jalen Naylor is winning the speed weekly awards for Michigan state that handout. So, which means um, you're kind of competing against yourself to improve your times. So if he is now much stronger and as fast or faster, you have an all-conference wide receiver on your hands. Yeah, my, yeah, and I don't think that's hyperbole. I think you're talking about a draftable player who's always had the speed. He's added, I mean, the muscle, the pictures. I mean, shout out to Jason Novak. The pictures that you're seeing, and like I know it's one of those off-season, like oh, I'm in the best shape of my life things, but these are actual before and after photos of working out, and uh, it's it's pretty incredible to see. And then just based on all the stories you read and, and things you hear, uh, what he's doing is is what you're supposed to be doing at a, yeah. a, a program that really wants to compete, and that that alone is super exciting. Let's call it out. What happened? Like I don't know. <laughs> like, what happened the past however many years at Michigan State? Uh, like, I've t- got questions. I think a lot of people have questions. I listen. Ken Manny was nothing short of loved by every one of his players, but I don't know that the um, old gum and tape approach uh, maybe didn't didn't hold up in the in with the, with this type of uh, medical progress that we've made because it is remarkable to see what these guys look like uh now versus a handful of months ago i want people to think about the fact that michigan state didn't just have winning records won big 10 championships won bowl games big bowl games seemingly without a strength and conditioning program that has yielded anywhere type of the results that we've seen in this past off season like I, I think it's worth going as far as to say I'm I'm glad everybody survived playing against Alabama, yeah. like both times. Even though Andrew Maxwell yeah. might argue that so many didn't survive, um, yeah, I, it's just it's it's just insane. Like the the change is remarkable, and I think that that's one of the things I'm excited to see on the field. Is like I think last year we saw just a just a massive gap in the physical ability between MSU and some of these elite teams and even some of the non-elite teams, even Iowa just bullied them around the field. And now with the whole season of, of, you know, off season of training, 
Um, they're drinking water during practices. There's all sorts of crazy <laughs> stuff stretch. going on. It's they're stretch. It's awesome, guys. Even Man. you know, even even uh, you know, getting those electrolytes after practice. It's a whole thing. It's a new. It's new. Okay, this is new. We didn't know about this before, and now we're finding out and we're catching up. So I just, I, I'm very excited to see. As long as they're like on, they don't look so overmatched on the field. I can at least come away from these games feeling a little bit better. So, uh, I mean, to your point, Jalen Naylor, huge recipient of that program, as is Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed, another dude who was very small. Very small receiver, uh, stature-wise. Last year looks to have put on some some good muscle and weight. And yeah. I think when you do, when you go around the whole team and you say who you know who's your call for breakout performer or whatever, I think Jaden Reed is probably at the top of uh, a, a lot of those lists because he really performed as a freshman at Western. Right. You saw it in fits and starts last year, and he's either going to be playing with a quarterback who can rifle him the ball and use his speed to his advantage. Or is going to play with his, be playing with his high school quarterback in Peyton Thorne. So I think there's a, a ton of room for opportunity with Jaden Reed. It's a good point. Yeah, and and it's the the depth chart isn't. You know, I think that's the other piece is is Mel Tucker went heavily into the transfer portal to at least get a two deep that he was mm-hmm. comfortable with. You know, at, at a lot of positions, I don't think he was satisfied at the starter level, but. As you, as we all know, to compete in Power Five conferences, you need to not just be adequate at the starter level. You need to have be set at the two D because just too many. There's so many reps, right? And he went to the transfer portal and he really leaned in um, in a couple of positions. But you'll see in this one, he went and got. We'll see if Malik Carr finds his way onto the field for uh, for Michigan State. I'm not quite sure. Um, but, and also Christians Fitz, Fitzpatrick of Louisville, um, are, are kind of the question marks. Don't, we just don't know anything about, you know, how, where and how they fit. Um, but, but I think the what we do know is that they're big, Like yeah. those are big True. body targets, which MSU, if you, you know, those first three names we ran through mm-hmm. Ricky, Jalen and Jaden, none of them over, even though they're bigger, obviously now not physically imposing in terms of jump ball type of guys, Terry Lockett, not same thing, not that. Trey Mosley, not that. That was a real – Cade McDonald, certainly not that. That was kind of missing from this roster. And I think what you're seeing, not surprisingly from Mel Tucker, is he wants to go get guys that you can just sort of throw the ball up to and you can say, just go get that. And I think between Cam Allen, who came in at, at tight end, who's going to be more of just like a big-body pass catcher, um, and Fitzpatrick and Carr, who honestly – I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Carr uh, – play a little bit of tight end as well. Um, You're seeing those kind of guys. And I think another cool thing about both these guys is they're both from the state of Michigan. They're both big recruits in their own classes, four stars. Uh, Malik Carr was, I think, a top 150 recruit that went to Purdue in in the same way that Tank Brown ended up going to Minnesota and was kind of the best recruit of um, Minnesota's uh, recent tenure, PJ Flex tenure these last couple of years. I know Malik Carr was one of the biggest recruits that, that Purdue's gotten in the last handful of years. So you're not just getting talent, you're getting good talent. You're taking it from direct competition in the big 10. So that's, those guys are, are a big coup. And I think again, Christian Fitzpatrick, I mean, his brother, uh, his brother played in the NFL, still plays in the NFL, does Fitzpatrick the, with the dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's talent there. There's opportunity there. 
Um, I think that this is uh, a very real opportunity for both of them. To your point, there's obviously players in front of them, but they serve a role that I'm not sure these other three really do. So again, especially if something happens with Ricky White, um, I think those kind of three through five spots in this wide receiver rotation are are up for grabs. And one other guy that's worth mentioning in there who's not a transfer, but who we saw really perform that jump ball ability in the spring game is Ian Stewart. Uh, Ian Stewart, who had gotten pushed down to tight end and then was back on the wide receiver depth chart this this spring in summer, um, made some really nice plays in that spring game. Uh, balls from Noah Kim that were really well placed, but you know you still got to go make a play on it. He had a couple of big catches down the field. Um, won't be surprised uh, if he's at least knocking on the door here. Um, and then there's really one more. And I know I'm probably skipping some names here. I think the one that a lot of people are going to talk about is Keon Coleman. Oh, yeah. uh, Keon Coleman, who is at this point already like this urban legend at MSU, who's coming in to play both basketball and football, 6'3", 6'4", I think 40-plus inch vertical leap. I mean, mm-hmm. he played at a really small school, which is why he's putting up like quintuple doubles at in basketball. Um, but this dude is every bit, every bit a Big Ten athlete. And he's already looking the part uh, physically, too. So um, uh, Mel Tucker has been very he, – he's very much a um, let the best players play, regardless of, of age or any you know class, whatever, stature, whatever it is, um, ranking. You let the best players play. And I think Keon Coleman, if it's not this year – He's he, he's one to keep an eye on because it's all there for him to be a for him to be a superstar. You're right. I'll say two quick things about Keon Coleman. One, he came in and people said he's raw talent. That's indisputable. But can he see the field? Well, we talked about that weight training program. He's 210 pounds. 210 pounds now, and he's doing a 40 inch vertical. And I can tell you right now that the coaches have said. They need to find a way for him to see the field. He's that good. He's that athletic. He's he's good enough on day one walking into playing Big Ten football as a true freshman because of his height, 6'4", 210, 40-inch vertical. Can he play football? We'll see. But you can't teach a lot of that. And that is the big wild card, as we've been mentioning. And when the coaches are talking about how do we get this guy out? You know, how do we coach this kid up so we can, because we might have a ball player on our hands. That's a good thing. So uh, sky's the limit for him. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great way of putting it. And so when you put put um, Antonio Gates into this context, uh, you can, there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of competition in front of him. But I think that's that's kind of the environment that, that MSU is trying to build here. Um, but there are some upperclassmen. I mean, Mosley, Naylor, Reed, and Hayes are all upperclassmen. Behind that, you got a lot of youth. I mean, I think this is a position MSU fans can get uh, pretty excited about. Another position group, I would say, fans can get very excited about um, is your running backs group. Not something we have said a lot in the last handful of years, John. It's been pretty trying. Uh, and, you know, this year you look and you're like, oh, oh, and you say that, yeah, oh, that like not only do you have an NFL uh, draftable player without doubt in Kenneth Walker, but you have a couple um, 
of guys that you think if they can meet the production you've already seen, then you're in really good shape, especially if they aren't starters. And then you have a, a question mark, you know, wild cards as well. And all, you combine those things and you got to feel pretty good about your running back situation. Yeah, I mean, I think the excited part is that for the first time in a, and probably since LJ Scott, maybe even LJ Scott's junior year, you're looking at this group and seeing kind of like this true work, quote unquote, workhorse back. Like a guy you don't feel bad about turning around and giving it to 20 times a game. And that's Kenneth Walker, the transfer from Wake, who's, um, you know, you see a lot of these best transfer lists and things like that. And he's routinely in the top 35 to 40. And when you remember, there are hundreds of kids that transfer every single year. It's a pretty nice uh, position uh, to be in. You know, he's, he's been productive. He's, he, again, looks the part. He reminds me, he looks like Jeremy Lankford to me when the, the style that they run with in terms of, at least from the, the clips that you're able to see on, on MSU socials and things like that. And just some of his old Wake Forest stuff. Um, it's a, it's an exciting thing to have. So to have that as your starting point is phenomenal. And then behind that, you look at, uh, the other transfer in Harold Joyner, who is kind of, and this hurts me to say, he's everything I've ever wanted Connor Hayward to be. He mm-hmm. is that, that Swiss army knife can really catch the ball to the point that he was basically a wide receiver at Auburn. He's six foot four. He's 220 pounds. He can burn like this guy can do everything. He is the, he's the type of uh, just offensive weapon that great teams consistently have. Um, so to get it, get a guy like that, who, again, if you remember correctly, MSU recruited him once upon a time coming out of high school. And I think finished second to Auburn in that recruitment. And he was again, unanimous four star, uh, performed really well from them as a true freshman before kind of falling behind for whatever whatever reason. Honestly, I think he was just sort of misplayed. Uh, I think he was cast more into a pass catcher role instead of a ball handling role. But, you know, MSU wants to run the ball and he's going to get that that opportunity. Um, and then behind him, you've got three names that we've heard a lot from in the past handful of years. You've got Jordan Simmons, who we saw uh, be a really productive runner in his sure. short stint as the starter last year. You have Connor Hayward, who, listen, he is, I'll put it this way with Connor, as much as I, I love him very much, he is in the exact spot on the depth chart he should be in. He is the backup offensive weapon to Harold Joyner. Means he's probably going to be in there on some third downs, maybe to block. He's going to be on some special teams. Might be able to split him out and just sort of use him as a weird weapon. And listen, if a guy or two gets hurt, you don't mind turning the ball over to him if if you ever have to to do that. We know he can. Uh, we know he can uh, pass block. You know. And yes, and that's a valuable skill. Mm-hmm. I I think the real wild card in this entire equation is Elijah Collins. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, just two seasons ago, we're talking about a guy who finished, I think, 12 yards away from 1,000 as part of a bad offense, was still able to do that. Saw some insane ability as just a one-cut running back, good speed, broke tackles, could catch the ball a little bit. I mean, you you saw the makings of, honestly, an all-conference type of running back. And then last year, uh, we did it's during the season. I think we're all watching kind of being like, what, what's up here? Like something just doesn't look the same. He should be by far the leader in carries. He should be running people like all of this. It just didn't seem right. And then he came out after the season and said that last summer, I believe it was, he caught COVID and it just, 
I think he dropped like 15 pounds or something like that. His wind wasn't the same and he just wasn't yep. the same guy going into to, to the fall. And so, you know, to know that that is why he took that half step, full step back um, and to know that he's had a full year essentially uh, to, to get back. I mean, to know that you've got that in your back pocket, yeah. and maybe even, I mean, honestly, I know we put him behind Jordan Simmons here. I don't think it's impossible yeah. that he's just split and carry straight up with Kenneth Walker sure. and we're using Joiner in sort of that weird gadget role. Um, but it's, I mean, we talk about those five players. I mean, that's, that, that's a really, that's just the most depth we've had at this possession in position since we were talking about, you know, the years of uh, Nick Hill and Jeremy Langford and LJ Scott and, you know, we had Larry Caper and like that little stretch of running backs. Um, th- this, I, I mean, again, there's a, there's a ton of production that needs to, you need to have to meet those guys historically, but in terms of sheer just talent on the field, I mean, this is, this is a pretty good group. You got to feel pretty good about things, um, you know, behind the line. And we'll get into the offensive line probably next time around because, um, that's the big question mark, but we feel good about the skill positions, you know, decent. Uh, these are guys that um, can compete at the Big Ten level. I think, um, you know, Mel Tucker certainly has made a lot of upgrades and, and you know, the other circumstances are working themselves out, as you mentioned, with, uh, you know, hopefully guys are staying healthy and, and able to, to compete at the level that we're accustomed to seeing them. And now all of a sudden, you, you know, you got a ball club. You know, you got a, a competitive team when you can put together position groups like this. And, you know, it's only two uh, of the many we'll continue to review. But um, we've we got to feel pretty good, especially considering how just utterly unwatchable the MSU offense has been in the past. Um, now you got guys who you can at least feel are capable, right? And in, in a depth of guys. Yeah, the, the, the talent is at the point where, and we'll talk about this group next week. Maybe this is a good uh, teaser. If the offensive line can hold and be an average, literally just average, the entire country, whatever stat you want, just an average offensive line, there's no reason this offense can't be really above average. I'll put, I'll put it that way. Uh, there's enough skill on this team to to put something resembling of a, a highly functioning. Maybe not, you know, it's not going to be Oklahoma. It's not going to be... You know, any Alabama, but at the end of the day, you have a chance to put together a, a highly functioning offense if that line can uh, give these guys a little bit of space to make plays. Yeah, I think, you know, where we'll leave you guys is, you know, now the ball is in Jay Johnson's court. You know, <laughs> you know, now it's now it's going to become a matter of can he is he capable or not? You know, there's last year he gets the excuse, right? Now yep. you got you got guys. You're, they're not all worlds, but you got guys. What are you going to do? Do you have to bring back Dan Roshar? We'll discuss that on next week's podcast. <laughs> Zero listener. Oh boy. Um, sorry for leaving everybody with a heart attack, but I think that uh, I think that does it for this week, right? That does it. Yeah, we'll we'll start to get in the groove here because, as we mentioned, Big Ten football is this month. I know you guys are just as excited for uh, that that. Nebraska at Illinois tilt mm. this August 28th. Oh, baby. I'm counting down the minutes. Exactly. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin, and we'll catch you next week. Yep.